Well, good morning. It's great to be here. My name's Dean. I'm one of the pastors here. I actually am over the finances, and so um, I do want to thank you for your giving over this past fiscal year. It's been very, very helpful. It's always difficult, I think, to go into a, a message right after hearing about giving, but we'll We'll do that. Um, and we're in the second week of our series on spiritual warfare. And so positive thing is you've won the battle today. You got here. So that's, that's good. That's uh, step number one. And we're really looking forward to this series and uh, continuing to see what God wants to share with us through this, this series. And today we are going to be looking at spiritual warfare and the war with the world. And you may never have considered or imagined that you would have to engage in a battle with this world. And maybe you've heard this saying that you're in the world but not of the world, but you really don't understand what that entails and how we're supposed to be in a battle with that. So to help us today, we're going to take a moment and look at the world of fashion. Um, so fashion, according to Fashion United, the industry has a labor force of 3,384.1 million. It's estimated that its value is equivalent to $3 trillion. Dollars. That means it corresponds to 2% of the world's gross domestic product. Now, many of you are probably aware of popular magazines that support that industry. So if you're aware of these magazines, raise your hand. Um, they, those magazines include Ellie. Anybody heard of Ellie? Vogue, Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, Vanity Fair, and another top-ranked magazine is W. Anybody heard of W before? Oh, at least we got one, one person that has. Um, but this world drives what is considered fashionable and puts tremendous pressure on us to live by its standards and especially our young people. The Academy Awards is a great example of this, the red carpet and all of the stars come out and they all make sure they're wearing one of the famous fashion designers' latest creation. And so we get an example of this right here. I don't know if uh, this drives anybody to think that they have to wear those clothes, but it does show us the influence that fashion has and the influence the industry has. This world of fashion includes consumer behavior, fashion trends, textiles, product development, manufacturing, and merchandising. It is an organized system that drives behavior. And in a much broader way, the same is true 
in regards to the scripture in referring to this world that we are called to battle. It too is an organized system with an ideology that drives behavior and in this particular case is in opposition and rebellion against God. If you were here with us last week, you would have seen this verse on Ephesians 2 where it talks about this course of the world and that we were formerly under this course of this world. Let's make it clear this morning that we're not going to change that. We're not going to wake up one morning and have the world working as God desires, at least not until he returns. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that Satan is the God of this world. And 1 John 5.19 tells us that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Our passage here in Ephesians 2 associates the prince of the power of the air with the course of this world. Princes, I believe, all have subjects underneath them. And so it's not a far reach to say that there are spirits in the air that have control and direct this world system that we live under. This system pushes us to its standards. It attempts to dictate our values and it tries to pressure us into its mold. Governments, television, social media, educational systems, the press, music, literature, art, are all examples of where this system can pull us away from God's truth and his will. Next week we'll be looking at spiritual warfare in the flesh and the flesh has something to do with this, but the world system is the one that controls and provides the atmosphere. It provides the climate that promotes the carrying out of those fleshly desires. I call it the greenhouse effect. I've been looking at purchasing a greenhouse for a couple months now, so I've learned a little bit about greenhouses. And so, obviously, you can get greenhouses that are pretty cheap. You can get greenhouses that are more expensive. But the more expensive they are, the better they control the plants that are going to grow. They can increase the time of the year that plants can grow. They can double the amount of yield that happens. But a greenhouse helps with this and it sets the conditions just right for the plants to grow. Well, the world system does the same thing. It sets the conditions just right for our flesh to indulge. This atmosphere in Ephesians that says that we were under the course of this world that we were under that atmosphere, that climate, before we were made alive in Christ. So we're no longer 
of this world, but we're still in this world. And as a result, we are in a battle. And we need to be aware that we are in a battle and that the desires to bring us back into bondage. And it doesn't say that we are to make peace with this world. It says we are to be at war with this world. So the world system strategy is to establish a foothold by putting ideas in our head that go against God's word. Over the, more, over the time we allow that to take place and that we buy into it, it becomes a stronghold. This thinking dominates our communities and infiltrates the church. Pastor Eric did a great job last week of defining what a foothold is. This world system, its goal is not just to main a, maintain a foothold in our life. It is to further that foothold and to make it advance. So if it can get you to think it and then believe it and then live it, then you're on a dangerous path that it wants you to be on. Colossians 2.8 says this, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. What happens when we get captured? We're no longer captured the flag, right? We're no longer, what, in the game. We've lost the battle. Here's some examples of where we can be held captive. Social media, commercialism, news and politics, false religions, progressiveness, relativism. We're gonna look at each one of these examples and an idea that comes from it, one of those high-sounding nonsense ideas that try to establish a foothold in our lives. And so the first one is social media. The idea is your value is directly proportional to your number of likes or followers. Now if that's true, I have no value. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Well, if I'm perfectly honest, I may have one follower. But I don't even want to admit that that's my mother. So that doesn't even count. So I have no value as it relates to this idea. But our true value, our true worth, what is true is that we're created in the image of God. And that is where our value comes from, not from our, the likes. Next up is commercialism. The idea it brings, the foothold it tries, is you can only be happy if you buy the product we're selling right now. We love what we see, we like, and we have pride of our possessions, you know, I think women get a bad rap on this. Men are just as bad. 
women, maybe with their clothes, etc. But man, they have their, their big toys, right? And they take a lot of pride in those possessions. Um, I watch HDTV, House Hunters, and it's never the woman. It's never the woman that is looking for this house that has this great, grandiose entry. It's always the guy that says, hey, I need something impressive so that when somebody drives by, they think better of me. That's not the truth. The truth is our joy, our happiness comes through the Lord. Paul says, I count, it, I count all my accomplishments as filth, as dung, as trash, depending on the translation, for the gain of Jesus Christ. News and politics. Unborn children do not have a right to life. Gallup poll did a uh, survey about two years ago looking at different ideas um, that people have, and so they did a survey with people that identify themselves as Christians and asked them to rank their ideas of what was the greatest affront to God. And so they did that, and it showed that they ranked not recycling higher than an unborn child's right to life. Maybe a foothold, maybe a stronghold. The truth is, before you were born, God knew you. Psalm says that God formed our inward parts. That's the truth. False religions, bad idea. Follow these rules to earn a place in heaven. It's not crazy that every single religion other than Christianity believes that you have to do something to get to heaven. Obviously, there's a foothold that the enemy has to bring everybody away from the truth. You know, the Bible, throughout all of the Bible, it talks that salvation is a free gift. It even ends with that concept. The last chapter in Revelation starts off by talking about the water of life that flows from the throne of God. And at the end of that chapter, it talks about being called to that water of life. And it says it is without cost. Don't let this foothold fool you. Progressivism. The Bible is old-fashioned and talks too much about sin. We have that in some of our churches today. There's this idea that God is love, which is true, but not exclusive. And so that moves from God is love to God accepts to God created everybody that way. There's a popular TV person that I just heard recently who I don't 
believe has ever opened up the word of God that declared that God says that this certain behavior is good and acceptable. The truth is, God is still holy. He hasn't changed. The truth is that the wages of sin is still death. Relativism. Everyone should get to do what's right in their own eyes. I don't know if that's really, you know, I don't know if people really believe that. They say they do, but they then say, well, as long as it doesn't interfere with me, a person can do whatever they want to do. But if you take that down the road, everything everybody does has some impact on somebody else. So it ends in chaos. And the truth is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is that we have been blinded by the enemy to the truth. For the first time since Gallup has been taking statistics, church attendance has fallen from being the majority. From 1940 through 2000, it stayed constant. About 70% of the population was in church. From 2000 to 2022, it's gone down to 47% in 20 years. More and more people are seeing the Bible as irrelevant, not relevant in their lives. They're not aware that they're in a spiritual battle, that there's a warfare going on. They don't realize that the world is throwing hand grenades at them to be ashamed of Jesus Christ and the word of God. The world system exalts its own intellectual system and makes God's truth out to be foolish. This system strategically warps our standards. It corrupts our minds and our emotions. It attempts to have us focus and to be satisfied on what it offers and not what on God offers. And what does it offer? First John tells us it offers cravings for physical pleasure, cravings for everything we see, pride in achievements and possessions. Scripture says these are not from the Father. They are from the world. This world system even goes one step further and takes us further beyond just offering things that are not from the Father. It actually attempts to make us enemies with God. James 4.4 says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't even realize it. We don't realize we're in this battle and that we're allowing things to impact us that make us against God. We're like that frog in that kettle of water. 
We don't even realize it's getting hot. We're boiling. We just got fried. And we lost the battle. We need to be battling against any foothold that is against God's word. And how do we win? Well, we win the war with the world by exercising spiritual discernment in our everyday lives. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, how do we renew our minds? How do we win this battle that we're in? It is critical that we know how to renew our minds because if we don't, we're not in a position to test anything. How can we even test something if we don't know what is good and what is evil? Last week we had a passage that we shared in Hebrews that says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We are called to maturity. We are called to practice, to train ourselves, to learn, to consume solid food. Second Timothy starts off by saying, be diligent and ends by saying, handling accurately the word of truth. Other translations say, making sure that we rightly divide the word of truth. We need to know the truth so we're able to test and to discern what the will of God is. I love this verse because it continues, and what it continues with is the battle that we are in with this world. It's consistent with exactly what we're saying. Let's read it. Right after this, it says, but avoid worldly talk. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Wow, Can, do you see the picture here? Not only do we keep our senses about ourselves by renewing our mind, but we can assist others who have been ensnared by the enemy, who have bought into the lies of the world system. We can help them. How much clearer can it be? How do we renew our minds? We immerse it in the truth. That is how we renew our minds. Paul says in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, 
Let your mind dwell on this. These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice, practice these things. What does your mind dwell on most of the time? Does it dwell on those things? Or does it dwell on the things of the world? What's the percentage split? 80-20? 20-80? Do you have a mind that's transformed? Or do you have a mind that's conformed? We need a mind that's been transformed. And that mind that's transformed needs to test everything. It doesn't do us any good to have the truth and not test every thought. There's a little uh, creamery by my house, so every once in a while, my wife and I will go to the creamery and we'll check it out. It's a, just a little, little place, and every time we go in, they've created a different ice cream flavor. And so, what do I do? I test the new flavors. I'm not going to spend $5 on, it's good, but you know, it's $5 doesn't get you much these days. I'm not going to pay $5 if I haven't tested to make sure that flavor is good. It's crazy to me that we'll test something that costs us $5, but often we don't test that which could cost us our freedom. First Thessalonians, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. First John 5.5 5 asks us a question. It says, who can win this battle against the world? Who can defeat this world? The answer? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only the truth wins the battle. Faith that is victorious is a faith that trusts in God's truth that is revealed in his word. And the truth is that Jesus was crucified, that he was raised from the dead, that is, he was seated in the heavenlies, above all rule and authority, above all power and dominion, above all names that are named, that you may not have to be dead in your sins, that you may be alive in Christ. And if you've never placed your trust in this truth, I'd encourage you to do that today, to come to your senses and not be ensnared. You know, I imagine there's somebody sitting here today that says, well, I don't want to give up control. My friend, you're not in control. The world system is in control of you. What you need is freedom. And if you're here today and you have put your trust in Jesus, you may be saying, hey, all I want to do is to have a good life, 
just want to raise my family. I want to come to church, pledge allegiance to America, wear my Alpine shirt. Really? You want more from me? I thought this gig was free. Well, salvation is free. But when you're no longer of this world, you're in a battle. We need to take action. I love the fact that Paul in Ephesians just continues the same theme throughout. And so he gives us some steps that we can take as it relates to this action. So let's look at that. In chapter 4, Paul says, Walk no longer in the futility of your mind. He goes on. Lay aside the old self that is being corrupted by the lusts of deceit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is the new self. That is in the likeness of God and has been created in the holiness of truth. And he wraps it all up, not by coincidence. Do not give the devil an opportunity. I have one final question for you this morning. Who wins the battle? The one that has the stronger weapons, the more powerful weapons, that doesn't become familiar with them, that doesn't know how to operate them, that doesn't practice them? Or is it the one whose weapons are weaker, but has mastered them because they've been using them for thousands of years? My friends, as long as there's a battle against this world system that is opposed to God, you have no option but to fight. As long as we are in this world, but not of this world, we have a battle to fight. We need to make sure that we are constantly renewing our minds that the enemy is not getting a foothold and taking us down a path that takes us further and further from the truth. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know that each one of us is here today. I mean, I just... driving here, just seeing people that are just blind, that don't know the truth. Father, you have us here. Lord, you love us. And Father, help us to recognize that we need to completely depend on you and renew our minds and that we are in a battle while we're here on this earth. 
And we thank you that you are victorious, but we also need to take our responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen.